Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. Kate and I are just so glad to be back, and uh, we're just so glad to be back in the U.S. You know, thank goodness the Holy Spirit is the real senior pastor of this church. If some of you are wondering who in the world is this guy right here with the microphone because you only just joined the church in the last few weeks and Kate and I have been away, uh, hi, welcome to the church. And uh, it, it's, it's fantastic because actually Jess and Aaron, uh, our daughter and son-in-law, are the lead pastors of this church. So they're really the pastors of this church and the leaders of this church. It's, it's Kate and I's joy that we started the church 14 years ago, we moved down from Toronto, uh, bringing the revival from Toronto, or hoping to bring the revival from Toronto. Here, we started this church in our living room. Hard to believe that, 14 years ago. Um, and there's still a number of people that were part of that little group that was in our living room that started the church, that are still part of this church. And in fact, I don't know if anybody saw the, the little kid that came running up here. His name's Jet, and uh, he's the son of the first member of this church, other than Kate and I and our girls. So Kate and I uh, were the, uh, we were just in um, New Zealand, which is why we've been away. We were in New Zealand visiting Jess's middle daughter, Abby, and uh, sister, what am I saying? Uh, my, my, and Kate's middle daughter, Jess's sister, Abby, who uh, is married to an Australian, and they both live in uh, New Zealand. And so, yeah, Dal, I'll get to that. I promise. <laughs> we like, we like, we kind of like to, you know, banter just a little bit. My wife and I we actually were quite famous for it. Um, but, uh, but yeah. So uh, we were on vacation for three weeks, visiting them. We've hardly seen them. Um, actually, it was our first time to see them in their environment in New Zealand. Um, they got married two years ago, so it was wonderful to be there. And we thought, you know what, such a long way, we're going to take three weeks vacation. And uh, so we did that, saved our vacation up from last year and took it this year. And what a time we had. It was fantastic. But while we were there, we also, for the fourth week, uh, spent time um, meeting our Catch the Fire leaders for Catch the Fire Christchurch and our leaders for Catch the Fire Auckland, who are also our Oceania Sphere leaders. And uh, so we have two churches that are doing super well in New Zealand. And we had the joy, yep, uh, we had the joy of ac- actually opening, being there for the first Sunday, opening the new building for Catch the Fire Auckland, which was really, really exciting. So, uh, yeah, we actually have close to, if not over 200 churches, Catch the Fire churches, part of this global family all over the world. And, uh, yep, it's, a, it's amazing. We have, uh, I think, 12 or 14 in Japan alone. And, uh, and so we have five in Taiwan and on and on. We have, um, many, uh, we have, uh, many churches in Sri Lanka and Ukraine. And yeah, we used to have, Church, a lot of churches in Ukraine, but now, obviously, with everything that's been happening, uh, I think we're, we're down to 12. But they're thriving, they're on fire, uh, and I mean the Holy Spirit. Um, and so, it's just amazing. But Kate and I, um, we separated for a week because I came back via Brazil and Ecuador. 
Who knew that Brazil was seriously, Sao Paulo, a very long way from Auckland? I thought, okay, I'll accept the invitation to go through Brazil, speak at these seven nights of revival at an amazing church, Zion Church, which is a church of 5,000 in Sao Paulo. And I thought, okay, I got this amazing invitation um, from the Holy Spirit to go to this church from the senior pastor and uh, help them with these seven nights of revival. And I thought, okay, super easy, just on the way back from Auckland, you know. No, 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 it's a very, very long way to Sao Paulo. And then from Sao Paulo to go to their Zion church in Quito, Ecuador, that was planted, one of uh, five or six churches that they've planted. Um, And I went to Ecuador. I thought that Ecuador was like an hour away. No, nine hours of flying to get to Ecuador from Sao Paulo. So, uh, but God moved so powerfully. It was absolutely awesome time. Uh, in the last eight, nine days, we've just seen God doing the most amazing things, extraordinary miracles, signs and wonders. And, um, the Lord gave me a new message while I was in, uh, Brazil. Uh, he doesn't always give me new messages, and I sometimes preach the same message twice, but it never comes out the same twice. Uh, but, the, but Jesus actually said that a good scribe brings out of their treasure store that which is old and new. And so, um, as I was, when I first arrived, uh, I was invited to go and speak at the Dunamis Pockets, which is their ministry uh, that they have in Sao Paulo, that or actually all over Brazil, that is ministering into universities. And they are on 400 higher education campuses all over South, South America, predominantly in Brazil. But they gather, they, they're called dunamis pockets. And uh, some of the dunamis pockets are like, you know, maybe 12 people, maybe 20 people on the campus. The leader of dunamis uh, who's under the senior pastor, that leader, he's 25 years old. He oversees his own pocket in one of the universities, 200 people in his pocket. Are you guys alive? Yeah, can you imagine? Who, who's at university somewhere here in, in, in the Triangle region? Anybody at university in the Triangle region brave enough to put your hands up? There we go. I see those two hands. Can you imagine in a year's time leading a Small group that started off with three of you and Jesus explodes it and there's like 80 of you in a year's time all meeting in a pocket somewhere. Like your house, I mean, you know, <laughs> or some room on the side. I mean, that's what, that's what they're doing and it's absolutely amazing. It's revolutionizing the universities as you can imagine. So it's such a privilege to preach there to them. And on the first night that I arrived in Brazil, I spoke there on the fire of God. It was a three hour drive out to the farm. And then a three-hour drive the next day back. But that night, I spoke on the fire of God, and the Holy Spirit landed on them all. All these young people got baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. It was just so amazing. And the next morning, we're driving back. Well, the morning we went around the farm, but the next that afternoon, we're driving back, and I was speaking at the main church in Sao Paulo. And I was doing the Thursday night, then the Friday night, and Heidi Baker was on the Saturday night. So, you know, when you're at an event that's kind of fairly significant like that, you really, really would like the Lord to use you. You know what I'm saying? You know, I mean, for his glory, of course. Yeah. I mean, all for Jesus. 
but Lord, please use me, please. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to speak on the fire of God tonight, on the Thursday night. It's going to blow up, and then by Friday, it's going to double blow up. And the Holy Spirit said, no, I actually no, 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 you can do that. I want you to speak on the fire, baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire on the Friday night. But tonight, I want you to speak on something else. I'm like, really, Lord? Yeah. And you haven't preached on it before. I'm like, no, no, not tonight in front of everybody. I mean, so I go into the secret place hoping that God will change his mind. And he didn't. And he gave me one of the greatest keys to revival. And I don't say like, I've got the greatest key to revival. I'm saying that he showed me that what he wanted me to preach on that night was one of the greatest keys to revival. And folks, let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is moving all over the earth right now. We are literally in unprecedented times like never before. I'm wearing this shirt from Bulgaria. Kate and I, from a ministry, they gave it to us as a gift when we were there last November. The Holy Spirit moved so powerfully in Bulgaria. We were just, we, we were literally in revival fire. And it was actually in Bulgaria that I got the invitation out of the blue to go to Brazil. And I want to say that to you because I want you to start getting hungry. Okay, because hunger, that's not what I'm preaching on, but hunger is also one of the greatest keys to a move of the Holy Spirit. God is irresistibly drawn to our hunger, everybody. Okay, it was Smith Wigglesworth who said there's something about believing God that will make him pass over one million people just to find you. And I don't know about you, but when I hear something like that, I'm like, Lord, let me arrest your gaze somehow. Give me grace to arrest your gaze. Give me the gift of hunger to arrest your gaze. And so, uh, you know, when you're in Brazil or Bulgaria and you're among some of the hungriest people that you've ever been with, spiritually hungry, I'm talking about hundreds and thousands of hungry people. You see that God is drawn to hunger. Now, here in America, we're really hungry. It's just that we're not hungry for God. Sorry to say that. I'm an American citizen and I'm proud to be an American citizen. I'm blessed to be an American citizen. I'm an immigrant. And I'm very thankful for this awesome country. But let me tell you something. Our hunger for Friday night games, Saturday games, is greater than our hunger for God on Sundays. We get, we get more demonstrative. You can be in the game. I've been in the games. I've been at the, I've been watching games that are like the most amazing games. And they're awesome. And I've watched all of us going nuts. Yeah! As demonstrative and crazy and in love with our team and the fact that our team's winning and as depressed because our team lost as ever a person can get. And then on Sunday, in church. (laughs) Serious business in church, you know. And we're more fussed up on a Sunday morning about the fact that we couldn't find a car parking space. Uh 
Oh, we had to park a little way, so we had to actually walk. Oh, good gracious me. We had to use these legs to get into the meeting. Then we got in. And oh my goodness, somebody's sitting in my usual chair. Unbelievable. And then not only that, the worship. I mean, do they really have to sing the same song over and over and over again? Yes, it's not to you. It's to Jesus. And we get all fussed up and the Holy Spirit just began to speak to me in Brazil. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 57. I want to share with you one of the greatest keys to experiencing a move of God that we often refer to as revival. Isaiah 57, 14 to 21. And one shall say, heap it up, heap it up, prepare the way, take the stumbling block out of the way of my people. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the holy, in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble. And to revive the heart of the contrite ones. For I will not contend forever. Nor will I always be angry. For the spirit would fail before me. And the souls which I have made. Thank God for Jesus. Hey everybody. For the iniquity of their covetousness. I was angry and struck them. I hid and was angry. And they went on backsliding. In the ways of their hearts. I've seen their ways. And will heal them. I will also lead them. And restore comforts to them and to their mourners. I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to those who are far off and to those who are near, says the Lord. And I will heal them. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest. Whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. How many of you saw the key to revival? Revival is not a word that's even in the scriptures, but it's absolutely biblical-esque. And God always wants to revive us, always wants to bring us into what we have coined revival, which is that place of tangible experience of his presence, power, and most especially his person. We call it revival And by the grace of God, we've been in revival for 29 years. However, right here is the key. Verse 15. I dwell in the high and holy place with those who have a contrite and humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. The Holy Spirit said to me in Brazil, in Sao Paulo, I want you to preach on one of the greatest keys of revival. Humility. Humility. Now, humility is one of those things that any single human being in the world has a desire for. Even the worst human being knows in their hearts that humility is of a great worth and a value. And most people, even though they're full of pride, desire to be humble. And of course, it's so tricky that you can get awfully proud of being so humble. And humility is a well-known virtue that humanity desires. In fact, humility is the posture of love. 
But humility is something that is very, very misunderstood, most especially by Christians. And even though we aspire to be humble, desire to be humble, we get stumbling, we stumble when it comes to humility. James 4, 6 to 7. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 8, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Humble, verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Psalm 147, verse 6, the Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked down to the ground. Psalm 138, verse 6, though the Lord is on high, Yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. And that word, hum, that word lowly is humble and lower still in the Hebrew. And Heidi, of course, I wasn't there for her message, but I had a joyful experience of having breakfast with her that morning. And she just, I told her that I had spoken on humility. And she said, oh, Duncan, lower still. That's what he always loves us, how he loves us to walk. Lower still, lower still, still lower. Proverbs 3 verse 4, surely he scorns the scornful and in the ESV, but to the humble he gives favor. Oh yeah, that's what I want. I want favor. Oh yeah, I'm so favored. I'm highly favored of the Lord. I'm the favored one. I have favor, favor on me, I have favor. Except that the Lord says he gives favor to the humble. Now, don't worry. We're going to get there, everybody. Humility is not denying who you are. That's stupidity and also deception. (laughs) But you'd be surprised how many of us are muddled up. We think that somehow being humble is denying that actually we're a successful human being. No. Humility, true humility, is not denying who you are. It's giving glory to the one who's made you who you are and the one to whom you belong. Knowing that you belong to him. One of the worst things that happens in Christendom that I observe all over the world is that you get somebody, let's start with a high schooler, Phenomenal high jumper. The best high jumper in the world. Potentially. And they're, they're just motoring. They're, they're going towards the Olympics. They're going towards world champions. You name it. Then you have a student. One of their friends. Gets a place in Harvard, Yale, Duke, or even better, UNC Chapel Hill. And we're talking, we're talking a, an amazing teenager full of potential. Maybe a musician. Like, like our very own Marvin, just an amazing guitarist. Just, I mean, I leaned back to another guitarist in the first service and I said to him, Alex, can Marvin literally go anywhere he wants? He said, yeah. I said, wow, that's extraordinary. I want you to imagine a 17 year old spent 10,000 hours before they were 17 just playing the guitar, just being absolutely amazing, amazing on the guitar or amazing intelligence or amazing sports handsome beautiful whatever boy or girl 
Then they get saved as a 19-year-old. And they cancel their position at university. They quit their sports. They quit their music. All because they find out that the church has a high value on humility. And they just pick it up somehow. That God opposes the proud. And gives grace to the humble. And they get all confused. And instead of stepping into greatness. They shrink back into poverty of spirit. All because we've misunderstood what humility actually is. Humility is stepping in to all that God's created you to be. Understanding that his destiny in you is what he's after. And he's given you all of those skills and given you that passion and everything else. All so that you can step into greatness. Why? So that you can make him even more famous in you. But guys, I, I just want to take a few minutes before we go into how we acquire humility, which is how we're going to end. But I want to invite you in on a little journey for just a few minutes into four areas that are super important. That in those areas, humility emerges from our hearts to the world around us. Number one, our humility towards God. Number two, our humility towards our families. Number three, our humility to the church. And number four, our humility in the world in which we live, especially our workplace. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.